Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Dugout Dudes. I am Josh Luke, your co-host here with Brett Tomko. And you might notice a little different name because we were previously the Dodger Dudes. But Brett, uh, tell tell the folks why we're switching over to be the Dugout Dudes. Well, I think we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going um, to venture out a little bit into the, the world of Major League Baseball. We're still going to focus on the Dodgers. Um, but, you know, I, I think branching out a little bit to talk about all about baseball. Because if you're a Dodger fan, you're a baseball fan. And, and we can hit a little bit on everything talk about the national league west what's going around uh, on around the league and 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 still put an emphasis on on you know dodger blue and and what's going on in the hometown yeah and brett and i are both socal guys grew up here so there's a huge socal influence with brett playing a lot of years in san diego and living down that way now there's a huge southern california influence on this show as well and the feedback that we've gotten and it's been kind of cool brett everywhere you know you you run into people that go hey i love that show that you guys are doing when are you going to do some more uh, the dynamic that we've heard is, is hey, a uh, former player gives a player's perspective, super fan, a uh, little bit of Dodgers, a little bit of everything, and a lot of SoCal. And so that's what we're going to try and bring to you guys and deliver that. And it's been a busy offseason in SoCal. And don't let me forget at the end, but I, I do want to touch on the Padres because I always <laughs> like it when the Padres are competitive and good, and it feels like they're flirting with that right now. But let's start with – I want, I want you to share with the folks, Brett, what, what you've been doing during the offseason. Because as a former player who was a high draft pick and, and um, you know, a celebrated uh, first-round first pick, right? Uh, Second-round pick. Second-round pick, yeah. but, but, but top prospect that came up as a heralded rookie with Cincinnati. You get to participate in some cool things. I always enjoy hearing you talk about them. So tell us a little about fantasy camp and how that went for you this year. Well, yeah, this offseason, well, it's, it's, you know, we've been kind of on hiatus for a little bit, um, taking a little bit of break. But this offseason was, uh, it was fun. Um, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with the family, um, just kind of enjoying being home and, and being retired and, and raising kids and being a husband and, and doing all that good stuff with the holidays. But, you know, one of my favorite times a year is is fantasy camp and I, and I go I go to the Cincinnati Reds one because I was drafted by the Reds and came up through the Reds and it's a really cool thing it's it, like I said it's one of my favorite weeks it's it, it would be kind of the equivalent of like um, doing your fantasy football draft or baseball draft so we go out there you get all these guys from age you know 30 to anywhere I think we had a gentleman that was pushing 80 if not 80 and uh they pay a bunch of money to come out there. They're treated like big leaguers. They're in the locker room with us. Uh, we're, we're sprinkled amongst all the, all the we call them campers and they're, they're treated like big leaguers for the week. They eat all the same food as, as you know, the guys come in for spring training, the same cooks, the same chefs. And then the first day we go out there and, and we assess all these players. So we go out there and we throw them BP and we watch them. We watch them take ground balls and, and we come and break for lunch all the coaches, which there's, we have 12 teams on our camp where I think we're the biggest camp there is, um, 12 coaches. Um, so, or 12 teams, sorry, 24 coaches, 12 teams. And we have a draft. We have everybody's name up on a board, pick numbers out of a hat, and then we draft teams. And then we go out that afternoon and play our first game. So we play some pool play, we get seated, and then we play a tournament, um, for a championship and it's about six days. And it's, You've never seen so many grown men take it so seriously and want to win a, you know, a pseudo championship. That means probably just as much as them as winning the World Series. I, I you know, we, I was fortunate. I've won back-to-back championships, not to, to pat my back, but 
um, you see guys crying as, as they're out there, you know, jumping around with, with all these grown men getting the trophy out there. And it's really cool experience to see that these guys, not only do they love Cincinnati Reds baseball, but they love baseball. And, and I know the Dodgers do one and the Giants do one pretty much. I would say, you know, 60% or 70% of the teams do a fantasy camp. And if you're a baseball fan and you want to get out and run around and, and act like a kid, you know, I recommend it to anybody to find a camp of your whatever team. And we have fans that aren't supposedly just Reds fans, but they heard the camp is so good that they want to come there and play. And they're, you know, we have Giants fans or Dodger fans actually come and they're part of our camp. And, and That's cool. it's an absolute blast. And most of the coaches, we have maybe more fun than the campers. And, you, and that's usually January, right, when they're trying to spring training? Yeah, we, we do it, uh, I think, the third week of January. And it's, it, you know, it's like I said, it's the week that I mark on the calendar that's kind of non-negotiable with the wife. Like, <laughs> whatever, we're, whatever we got planned, we got to plan it around this week. I've gone five years in a row. Ever since, ever since I retired, I've been out there every single year. And are the Reds still in Plant City or are they in Arizona? No, they're in, they're in Goodyear, Arizona. Goodyear, and, okay. and the funny thing is Plant City. So, uh, you know, I went to school my last year in Lakeland, Florida at a small school, Florida Southern. And Plant City is like the adjoining city. So I went straight to Plant <laughs> City and they do the, they were doing the fantasy camp my first year. And I remember going out there and seeing all these guys running around. I asked like, what are they doing? What are all these old guys doing? And they, they explained it to me and I'm like, that's really cool. So as soon as I was done, it was kind of the first thing in my mind. Like, I want to be a coach at Fantasy Camp. And we have – there's gentlemen that have been there 30-plus years. They've come – they were in there in Plant City. I had a gentleman on my team that had been there 29 years. Next year will be his 30th year in a row. And it's, it's not cheap. It's about five grand to go out there. So these guys are investing time and money, and they work out for it. That's what they do. They, they call it their offseason. We, we joke around. We go up, like, what, you, what have you been doing in the offseason? You're talking about the whole year except for one <laughs> 51 week. 51-week offseason. Right, it's a 51-week offseason, but that's how they refer to it. And it becomes a big family reunion. We have a, we have a Hall of Fame, like a Reds Fantasy Camp Hall of Fame that guys get inducted to, and there's that's their speeches. Great. And, they, like, again, they cry about it because it's such a big deal to them, and it's such a – that's like great. part of what they do and, and they they do stuff back in cincinnati and they have groups and it's it's a really good way to just have community and and, and have a you know a reds family it's cool that's cool man I, those are always cool stories to hear so so one of the things that you shared with me one time um was that you were doing um well let's talk a little bit about the baseball tournament first so a couple of years ago you got together a group of former guys and you actually put together a team and went and played summer ball in the world baseball congress i think it was uh, and competed. Did you do that for two years? Yeah, we've well, I did that three years in a row. Um, we we ended up not doing it uh, last summer because of a, a conflict uh, with somebody. But yeah, I just got a phone call two days ago from Jeff LaRoche, who's Adam LaRoche's brother, and Nate Robertson and Adam LaRoche were the ones that kind of kind of put their heads together because of uh, Wichita had an independent team, and that's where the I think it's the National Baseball Congress is located, and they asked if they thought they could put a team together of a bunch of former guys. And they, they kind of laughed like, yeah, I doubt that. They made like four or five phone calls a piece. And before they knew it, they had like 12 guys signed up. And I got a call from Brad Penny and said, Hey, you want to play in a tournament? And I said, yeah, sure. I thought it was a golf tournament. I'm like, where's it at? And he's like, well, you better start throwing. I said, why do I need to throw to play in a golf tournament? He's like, no, it's a full baseball tournament, like <laughs> full out, like against these kids that are 18, 19, 20 years old. And we're, we're just one of the teams in it. And we've had the, the amount of like talent that we have had come be on our team. We had Roger Clemens, Jake Peavy, Roy Holiday, Chipper Jones, David Ross, Jack Wilson, JD Drew. We, I mean, it, it, 
it, when you look at it and they list how many World Series championships or MVPs or all-stars, you know, sometimes I look at it, I'm like, dude, how did I get on this team? Like, but it's, we go out there and we take it serious. We're having fun. We bring our families. We pay our own way. We pay, you know, we get put up in a hotel and have some, some food credit, but we pay for our own flights and we pay for our own rent-a-cars and we're just going out there because we love baseball. And the adrenaline that you get when you step on that mound, Heath Bell went out there who has been on our show. He's been there three years also. Yeah. The adrenaline you get, you can't compare it to anything. My, my wife once told me the very first time I closed the first game and my legs were shaking out there. You know, got out of, we ended up saving the game, winning the game, and I came back to the hotel and, and my wife said, how was it? I said, that was amazing. I would have paid $10,000 to go do that. <laughs> Don't you know, that. You, can't, you can't get that. You can't get that that feeling you know that we got to do for you know 15 20 years anywhere but yeah. except stepping on a mound and like you know it's 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 kind of hand-to-hand combat with a with a batter so i'm looking forward to it i'm hoping it works out i just got the call and and they said it looks like it's going to happen so we already have it kind of blocked off on the calendar so that's we'll cool see. man that's good news yeah. so so the reason i asked you to talk about that before i ask the next question is this because I think it was actually there and the fantasy camp where you say, gosh, Josh, one of the crazy things is I'm sitting there with Hall of Famers that we grew up watching. And the awkward dynamic is the salary inflation over the years. And some of those guys, the benches and stuff, I mean, they were playing in the 70s and you didn't start playing until the late 90s. So one contract might be worth for a certain player might be worth more than a Hall of Famer like Bench or, or somebody else Concepcion made in their entire career. And that presents for a, a different dynamic, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's to go without saying right now, the, 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 the salaries that are out there right now, we could say the same thing. The guys, you know, if you, if you put my stats up to a guy's right now, he's making five times, 10 sure. times what I made. And it's the same thing. I, I, it was funny. I get pretty close to my team and, and, you know, I'm kind of an open book when it comes to all that stuff. And, and, and guys kind of, you know, we'll take shots and rib each other a little bit. And the guys were at dinner. We had a team dinner, and uh, <laughs> they, looked at, they looked at me and they said, "Hey, we looked up, we looked up what you what you made your career. And do you realize you made five times the amount of Johnny Bench? And he's the best catcher of all time." <laughs> so it made me laugh. Like they're like, "You're a journeyman, like starting pitcher, and you made five times more than the greatest catcher of all time." Which you know, it's it's perspective. It's it's you know, it's it's kind of the way it is, and you know, you pay it forward. We we give a lot of respect to those guys that came before us because they were the reason that we made the salaries that we did. And, and, you know, the guys of this generation, the reason why they're making the money they are is because of my generation coming through and, and, and the players union and the strength that they have to, to build it forward. You know, I still, and I, I'm pretty sure the old guys did it with, with us. It's like, I cannot believe the amount of money that's, that's out there. And, and, you know, it, it goes that the, these, these owners of the teams, it's a billion dollar company. You know, just the Royals, didn't it, they just sell for a billion dollars? You know, it, there, it's billions and billions of dollars being out there and, and somebody has to make the money and the, and the players are the reason why the fans come out. Yeah, so it, it's, it, these are some of the things I like to share. And I, as, I, as Brett and I take show notes, I, I think back to some of the things he shared with me through the years that as a fan, a super fan, that I always thought, wow, that was a cool story. And uh, so I thought I'd run you through that. But Brett, here's, here's the question that folks, um, they, they want to hear. They want to hear from you and I. Um, the definition of insanity. Um, what will be different about the Los Angeles Dodgers this year to help them win their last game of the season 
than the prior three years when they had pretty much the best record in 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 the majors for the most part two of those three years went to the series two of those three years but didn't win the last game so so before we get into some of the specifics what's different what do you see that's different the 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 weird thing is they haven't done much i mean besides what just happened you know with bets and price they haven't really done anything so it, it I've been sitting back and, and wondering, you know, have they gotten any better? And, and if they don't get any better, they're still a team that won, you know, 108 games without Ryu, you know, going to Toronto. So, so you sit back, they're still a very good ball club. Um, they go out and get met our bets and, and, and price. And, you know, I think, <clears throat> I think that makes them better in, in certain aspects, but you got to wonder how much better. And, and, you know, I was kind of looking through prices stats and, and, and seeing kind of how it shapes up. And, you know, to be honest, last year, like, you know, he didn't, he didn't throw a whole lot through hundred, just over hundred innings, 107 innings and had a 4.7 ADRA and he's getting paid a lot of money for that. So it's, you wonder how much they're really going to get out of him. I hope they get a lot out of him. You know, they're going to slot him in there for the three spot or, or, or something in that range. So you hope, you hope he's the David price that, that, you know, a couple years before that was dialed in and had, you know, a mid three ERA. Um, you know, he's had a struggle in the playoffs, just like Kershaw has. And, and, you know, we can even get into a little bit of that with Kershaw and his legacy with all the, you know, the Houston sure. Astros stuff. But, you know, it, it's – you really wonder how that's going to make the, the rotation more solid. You know, they're bringing in wood. They're bringing back wood, I should say. Um, yeah, I like that move a lot. I think everybody did. Everybody liked him. Yeah, and I, and I think that helps them out. But, you know, how much – I think that's one thing that's, that's going to be – debated in spring training and see how those guys shape up when they get to spring training and, and bets you know bets is a is a proven guy that's going to go out there and 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 do work and he's he's one of the best players in the american league he's coming over you know he doesn't i don't think he's one of those guys that is going to like knock your socks off right away you know he he's not a guy that's going out and hitting 50 home runs but he's solid he goes out there every day yeah. he plays hard He's going to be one of those, uh, you know, I, I've referred to it a lot, those glue guys, those guys yeah. that, that bridge the gap. And I'm not saying he's not a superstar because he is, um, but, you know, those Max Muncy's, the, the guys that, that you don't really always, you know, think about when you say, okay, who, who's the big guys on the Dodgers? You're always going to think Bellinger. You're always going to think Turner. But you got the other guys that are in there that you have to have in there to have a competitive um, you know, world-class baseball team. And I think Betts fits that mold very well. And, and, and like I said, he's a superstar and he was in Boston. So you, you wonder how he's going to gel. You know, it's always interesting with the dynamics when they come in. And from what I know of him, he's a great guy. So, you know, I think he's going to walk into a situation where with open arms from everybody and, and, and kind of fit in really quick and, and, and be loved by, you know, all of L.A. Well, and, and what I'm hopeful that, that probably one of the best sleeper uh, free agent signings of the offseason is going to be Blake Training. I don't know if that's how you say his last name, but yeah, free agent. He had a, a down last year, but a couple of years ago he was on fire. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, because, I mean, they haven't done much for the bullpen. Um, so, you know, I was looking – I was trying to look at his stats a little bit, and, you know, they haven't really made any bullpen moves. You know, getting rid of Maeda, who they always kind of stuck in the bullpen in the playoffs, I always liked that idea because I thought he was a solid kind of setup guy. Sure. So you're losing that, and, and you wonder how the rest of them are going to shape up. You wonder if May is going to step up and be that, you know, late-inning guy or Gosselin's going to be that late-inning guy. You don't know um, if one of them sneaks into the rotation, um, depending on how Urias uh, throws in spring training. So there's, I think there's a lot of question marks that are still kind of out there and, and – 
you know, people are, it's going to all play itself out in spring training. Cause it always does. You get, you show up there, you know, the first couple of weeks and everyone's kind of getting their feet wet, but as the games go, you know, the Dodgers, the front office and Dave, they have the kind of their idea of what they're thinking they're going to have. And, and there's always some surprises in there and you wonder who's going to step up and who's going to maybe, you know, falter a little bit, but it's, you know, there's jobs to be won. There's, there's, there's spots to be filled and it, and it always works out. So I just wonder how much better they've gotten. If they have gotten better, what do you think? I'm looking at Mookie's stats right now. He was eighth in MVP voting last year, first the year before, of course. And last year was quote-unquote an off year. He still hit 30 home runs, 29 home runs, 16 stolen bases, 295. And it's it's a pretty good off year. Um, So, But I'm with you that I don't know that the bullpen, um, they're really putting a lot into Blake training. And and this guy they got from Minnesota, the young guy who, for whatever reason, um, Boston balked on at the last minute. he throws uh, in the six figures, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Bruce Dargraderall, I think is how his yeah, name yeah. Uh, pronounced. So he's kind of the wild card of the whole deal. Uh, but that, that leads to the next uh, question, uh, Brett, is what the heck happened? Because you and I are both Orange County guys who, who always pull for the Angels too. And I just thought, as much as I love Peterson and Stripling, we said it before we went off air in, in, in the fall that Peterson's likely out because his, his salary's going up and he had a peak year, so you sell high. And it was a great move for the Angels. And the word on the street in Orange County is that uh, they called it off because the owner, Artie Moreno, just, just got tired of waiting. I, my gut tells me there's still a, a trade in the works. My gut tells me that Peterson will not be wearing a Dodger uniform on opening day. What are your thoughts? Well, from what I know and from what I heard that Peterson was, he was gone for sure. So the fact that Moreno, it's hard to say he got cold feet because that guy, he's not, I don't think he's afraid of anything. He's not afraid to put himself out there and spend whatever he, he can to get a guy. So I I don't think I see. I I don't, I don't think that. I heard it was more disrespect. Like he just got tired of waiting on the crosstown rivals. I mean, that might've been it too, but you know, I, I don't know how you have to really, really get kind of sick of it to get to, to kind of turn down a Peterson. Cause you know, he he's, he's proven that he can do it. You know, he's more of a platoon type guy. Cause we talked about a lot last year of how his struggles with left-handed pitching. Um, but you know, I don't know why that didn't get done. It may be a thing that the Dodgers, you know, in retrospect, if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen and he doesn't get traded, I mean, that makes their, their depth chart even stronger. I mean, you got a guy like Peterson on your bench and you can use against right-handed, you know, pitchers as a pinch hit or a platoon guy like i like i like that uh, i don't know if they want to yeah. pay him that much money for what he's gonna how much he's gonna play but man that makes your that makes your bench really strong well and if you talk about glue guys on the dodgers i mean one of the things i think i'm, I'm most proud about as a big dodger fan is, is those guys genuinely like each other and love each other they're boys they're at each other's golf tournaments all off season stuff like that peterson I would put him in the top five or six of those glue guys. So when you talk about messing with chemistry, that's a little bit of a risky one. But they know that's part of the game. It's part of the game when a guy moves on. Um, you know, Peterson's going to start, just like he did last year, over Pollock if um, if there's a righty throwing. Well, so yeah. Totally. You're going to have a platoon there, you know. Yeah, and for so, sure. And then you got Taylor in the mix. So, like yeah. – you know, if Pollock falters, like he, you know, he struggled. He struggled bad in the postseason. Everybody yeah. knows that. So, I mean, if he struggles during the season, and you have a Peterson Taylor, um, you know, platoon with uh, with Beatty on on the bench too. I mean, you could, look at that. You got Pollock, Peterson, Taylor, and Beatty on the bench. Like, dude, those are four good quality players that probably start on any major league team 
you know, in baseball. So to have those four people and guys that, that, you know, have a little bit of diversity and can play a couple different positions. You can bring Taylor in and play shortstop. You can put Beatty at first base. You could Beatty or Beatty. I'm, I might be butchering that, but you know, you got a lot, you got, you got a lot of versatility. So it's, it's a great problem for the Dodgers to have. Do I think they're all going to be on the you know, roster start, you know, April? I doubt it. Like you said. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about a Dodger opening day lineup. Um, the word on the street is Betts is going to be leading off. Um, seems to make sense. Uh, you, you like that move? No, I think, I think Betts will lead off for sure. So my question is, and forgive my ignorance, is Betts a right-hander or a left-hander? He's a right-handed hitter. He bats yeah. right-handed. So yeah. that, that sets Belly up to go two, JT to go three, and Muncie to go four. I mean, do you think that's probably how it's going to fall out? I, I, I'm saying Muncie two, Turner three, Bellinger four. That's really? I'm, yeah. So, that, I mean, that's that's how – I mean, I think you could flip-flop Muncie and Bellinger, but, you know. That's how last year. I just – I'm the guy that always believe that you, you have those those guys that – get them that extra few at-bats a season by putting them in the top two. Or well, two. I mean, that's kind of been the trend. You got you got um, Trout usually bats second, um, Judge bat, bats second. My Little League team, let's go way down low. I usually have, <laughs> like, cut my top couple players batting, like, second, third for the same reason. I'm like, well, if I can turn the lineup over and get this guy first, second starting. Yeah. I mean, I'm no Dave Roberts, but – you know, my little league teams are pretty strong. <laughs> so when we get, so when we get, uh, so you can go right, left, right, left, um, right, all the way to Pollock, and then Seeger would be sixth, uh, and then I'm missing somebody. You got here. Lux and Smith. So, uh, oh yeah, if Muncie's playing first, that leaves Lux, and then Lux bats from yeah. the left side too, doesn't he? Yeah. So you could go Seeger, Pollock, Lux, Smith. I mean, you can you can bounce it left, right, left, right. It's a great lineup. I mean, you can't. It's just an unbelievable lineup, and you can put Peterson in there if Lux doesn't come out of the gate or Seager doesn't come out of the gate strong. You got uh, Kike and Taylor there, so I feel like the offense is even better than it's been in the last couple of years. Yeah, listen, it's it's going to come down to pitching. It always does. It has. It 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 showed itself with the Nationals. It came down to their pitching. Um, the, their offense was there, but you need front end guys in your rotation that are going to shut down teams you you just absolutely do and I think the Dodgers have that I think Bueller I think I'm, I'm a huge fan of Kershaw I've made that you know you bring Pryson in the mix and, and you hope he regains what he's done you know a couple years before that and then however you four and five shape up um, whether it's Wood and Urias or one of the young guys pop in there as, as the fifth guy who knows but you know, I think they're in a situation where they have a lot of options, and, and that's always good going into spring training. I've been on many teams where there weren't many options. You're just trying to, like, piece together a four or five. <laughs> you're looking like, for volunteers. Right. You're, you're like, who can we take out of the, the, the bullpen mix or who, who is decent in AAA? So, you know, the Dodgers have established themselves like the Yankees did back in the day where they're a powerhouse every single year. So it's just a matter of, of putting the puzzle pieces together, figuring out, how they really want to build their rotation, how they want to build their lineup, and, and then go out there and play. And it, it'll all play itself out, you know, start of the season, and, and, and we'll, see how, we'll see how it did. I'm glad they made some move because there was a point where I said, they haven't done anything. Are, are they going to do anything? Or are they just going to roll into the season, you know, with a couple less puzzle pieces than they had before? Yeah, so let's let's do the the, the off season in a nutshell. They, the word is they put $300 million on the table for Garrett Cole he, you know, what I saw from afar is his agent went to the Dodgers first, knowing that he was going to sign with the Angel or the Yankees. 
got 300 mil, called the Yankees, and within a day said, you're a Yankee. And then the story came out with a picture of Garrett Cole at the World Series saying, once a Yankee, always a Yankee, Yankee forever. And then Garrett Cole announces that he still has that sign in his room. And I wonder why nobody knew about that for the last year. Well, listen, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was down at the winter meetings uh, for, for a night or two uh, doing some other stuff. And I, you know, if you've never been to the winter meetings, um, especially in San Diego, there's a big lobby and, and everyone walks through that lobby. You'll see everyone and, and anyone that has something to do with baseball. So I was down there visiting a couple people and I talked to some of the Dodger stuff. I talked to some of the Yankees guy, Phil, Phil Nevin was there and I saw him in the lobby. I said, dude, what's going on with the Cole thing? He's like, well, we had them. And, and then, you know, the Dodgers jumped back into it. And it was the Dodgers, the angels and the Yankees. They were all bidding for him. And Phil's like, we had them, we had it all kind of done. And then all of a sudden the Dodgers back in the mix. So the Dodgers wasn't like they just, you know, yeah, and who knows what Boris, Boris, you know, representing him could have been, you know, playing the, playing the strings as, yeah. as he usually does. But, you know, from what I knew, the Dodgers were well up in the 300s too, and they were right in the mix to get him. It just, you know, it comes down to a player. If he's, he's a diehard Yankee fan and he always wanted to be a Yankee, no matter what the Dodgers threw out there, maybe his mindset was, I'm, I want to be a Yankee no matter what. And Brett, you were a Yankee, and I didn't understand this growing up as a, as a, as a Dodger fan. And, and, and some Dodger fans that, that um, maybe not understand the business dynamic of baseball may take offense to this, but I can say it with 100% certainty. I mean, uh, having my, you know, watching my brother come up in the, in the system. There's 30 professional Major League Baseball teams, and, the, and there's one that is known as the cream of the crop, the – the greatest of all time, if you can play for them, you play for them. They do things first class. It's just a different class. And it, as much as it pains me to say this, I, I didn't like hearing that when I was learning about it back in the 90s when my brother was a farmhand with them. But it's the Yankees. If you can be a Yankee, you go be a Yankee. And I hate to say that. I'm an L.A. guy. I'm a Dodger fan. It doesn't mean that you don't want to be a Dodger. But Garrett Cole grew up wanting to be a Yankee. And they're, they're you know, the number one sports franchise, as far as I can tell, uh, in the history of our country, and, and that's what he wanted to go do, and it breaks my heart because I thought he could win us a World Series in L.A., but when you can be a Yankee, Brett, and they're going to pay you the most, it's hard to turn that down, isn't it? Yeah, well, listen, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go into it a little bit. I, did ne I never wanted to be a Yankee. It was one of those things, like, every time I went into New York, you know, you're down in Manhattan, you hustle and bustle. I was like, this would be miserable to play here. I would never want to play in New York, and I, I said that. There, there'd be no chance I'd sign. And uh, the one year that I signed with them, and they had, they had made me a couple offers earlier, and I said, no, nah, I don't want to do it. And I was coming off of elbow surgery, and, and they made a pretty good offer. And I just thought, this is when they signed Sabathia and A.J. Burnett. And, and, you know, looked like they had a pretty solid team. And I said, you know what? Why not? Let's do it. So I ended up doing it. I spent about a month in AAA and got called up. And putting on that Yankee uniform, and I was, like I said, I was a Mets fan growing up. So to put on the Yankee uniform, I just kind of was like in the clubhouse doing it. I was like, you know, you had to kind of sit back and go, dude, like I'm a, like I'm a Yankee. And it's all, you, you put on those pinstripes. And, it, and it, it, it was really true. You put those on and you're just like, this is crazy. The amount of history, not that the Dodgers don't have the history too, but there was, there was something different about it when you put that uniform on and you went out onto the field and the vibe in the city. And, and you talk about doing things first class, like I'll give you an example. So I was a, I was a uh, minor league um, contract going to major league spring training. And usually, usually when you fly as a, as a, as a minor league deal, they don't have to fly you first class. You know, you're just, if, if you're a big leaguer and you're, you sign a major league deal, you fly first class. So the traveling secretary called me up, said, Hey, we can get you on a flight tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. 
And I said, hey, is there any way that I could upgrade and I'll pay the difference in the ticket? Um, you know, because it's, you know, it's a five-hour flight. And he goes, oh, no, 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 don't worry about that. We're the Yankees. We fly everybody first class. There you go. And it was kind of one of those things where I was like, okay, like, here we go. You know, it's th that, that was their mentality. They do everything top-notch. I'm not going to argue with that either. No, you? no, I was like, I'm not going to argue at all. So, and it saved me a little bit of coin in my pocket. So I was good with it. And I'll even take a window seat if that's right. <laughs> I'll sit in the middle, like whatever. I'll sit in the baggage. It don't matter if you're, if you're. So you actually jarred my memory there, Brett. I actually have a, my own Yankee story. So my brother was in, in camp in 96 and uh, I had just graduated grad school and wanted to take a month or so off and be lazy. And so I moved down to Tampa and I just slept on his floor during spring training. I think you and I hooked up for an hour or so that, that spring training, you were down there oh, yeah. and, um, saw your folks down there and everything. It was just a good time. It was, it was just kind of an extended vacation, a lot of baseball for me. I was getting autographs, kind of li living out my childhood of getting autographs when I was a, a college grad. But, um, I would go to my brother with my brother to, um, the legends field. It was the first year it opened there in Tampa. And one day he's like, oh, yeah, just come in the locker room. It's no big deal. So, so it's major league spring training. My brother hasn't made the team. He's not even supposed to make the team. I walk in the locker room after a game one day just to wait for him. And I'm just kind of sitting there. And I, and I probably look close enough to a player if you don't know the players because I'm the same age and about the same height. So I'm just kind of sitting there with my head down. Daryl Strawberry on the left, Steve Howe on the left, uh, Danny Tartable, uh, Don Mattingly, Wade Boggs. I mean, just a few of the names walking by. Oh, yeah. Coaching Reggie Jackson's walking yeah. through there. Uh, and then all those people became irrelevant when guess who walked in? George Steinbrenner walked in. Yeah. <laughs> I went, I'm going to get my brother fired right now. And so Steinbrenner walks in, luckily walked like three feet by me. I literally ducked my nose, turned and walked out of the locker room. My brother comes out 20 minutes later. He's like, where'd you go? I'm like Steinbrenner walked in and scared the crap out of me. I didn't want to get you in trouble. So I got out of there. But man, just sitting in the locker for a couple minutes made me realize everything you ever hear about the Yankees. I mean, think of all those people I just named off and I, I just only named off like eight. I was I was there for I was there for old timers game uh yeah up in New York and in kind of the same situation. You're sitting there and all you know, I'm sitting in the training room and Yogi Berra is sitting right next to you and you go, dude, that's Yogi Berra. Like that's how crazy. that doesn't even seem like right that, you know, it almost seems like a fictional character. And me growing up as a Mets fan, at one point I had Daryl Strawberry sitting next to me and Dwight Gooden on the other side in my locker, just kind of hanging out, kind of like, you know, just chit-chatting back and forth about baseball and it was you know the names like you said Reggie Jackson was always around and it just those those names and that that history and you know it's like that it's I do have to say that's kind of the same thing I was like that in, in, in spring training with the Dodgers when Sandy Koufax came in, sure. and you're talking to Sandy Koufax and you have some of the Dodger greats you know those there's a reason why those franchises have the history they do those great players that they had um you know especially when they come around and they're you know Tommy Lasorda, Sandy Koufax, all those guys, Steve Garvey, Ron Say, all those guys come around and you go, man, this is, this is crazy that these people really exist. And they're not just like movie characters. Yeah, no, it's cool. And I think they appreciate the connection to the game still as well. So, so, Hey, in the last couple of minutes here, uh, off season recap, uh, Brett, you had kind of said this, I know you have some inside Intel at times and um, Strasburg was never leaving. So there was really never any race for Strasburg Rendon and some just weird, chain of events supposedly he and his wife didn't want to move to la because of the lifestyle but but we're okay to move to orange county and smaller like, market from, from like, what, what does that mean 
from what I heard, it was just more of a small market feel. You're still yeah. in that. You're basically still in the LA area, but you have a smaller market feel. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm excited uh, that the angels are going to be competitive on offense. At least uh, I thought stripling would earn one of their starting jobs, probably the number two or three spots. So I thought they really needed him as much as they needed jock. But in terms of the free agents, the super free agents that were out there, you know, we talked about it before the season ended that those were the three that really were going to move the needle for the Dodgers. There were a couple more that might've been moving needles, but those, those were the three. And I think we can be as Dodger fans grateful to know that they went all in on Garrett Cole uh, from as far as we can tell, they did everything they could uh, to get him. They, they made their best effort at Rendon. And when that didn't work out, they went out and made the deal that they thought was best for them. And, and Brett, I asked you the question earlier about the definition of insanity, you know, kind of doing the same thing, expecting a different result. What the narrative was before the Boston trade, of course, we were hearing rumblings of Cleveland or Boston once we lost out on the three free agents. The narrative was the Dodgers are finally playing for the postseason. They're waiting. They're not going to rush into anything. We know they're going to win the league, the division, because the division's weak, which I don't say that with arrogance. I just say that the lineup's good enough to be competitive until the break. So, so that was the narrative until they pulled off the, the bets and, and price deal. So what is it now? So, so I, I hope it's true. I mean, we just need to be able to win in the postseason. Oh, hey, I meant to ask you at the fantasy camp. Did you hear any, uh, were there any trash cans being banged? <laughs> I did. I, the very, <laughs> the very, I think it was the very first or the second pitch of the game I started banging on the trash. <laughs> and somebody's like, oh, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I knew it would happen. Yeah. So, so I guess my question for you is this. Are, are the Dodgers better equipped for the postseason uh, than they were the last three years with this roster as it is right now? <laughs> That's a tough question, my friend. Um, I, I would like to say they're in equally as good a spot, if not a little bit better. Um, I, I would like to see more pitching depth. I'd like to see more bullpen yeah. depth. I think that's, that's what I think they really should have focused on is, is getting a little bit more back into the bullpen. And I know they got a couple guys, but I, I, I don't know if they got – you know, the guys that are going to make a massive difference. Um, did the lineup get better? Of course they got Mookie Betts. It got, it yeah. got a little bit better. No matter if you take Peterson in or out, you know, yeah. they're different type of players, but you know, Betts is a superstar type player. Not to say that Peterson wasn't, but Peterson did all of his damage against right-handed pitchers. So, and Betts yeah. is, I think a more well-rounded player that's going to solidify, you know, the top of your order. So, you know, I, I'd like to say their offensive you know, got a tick better. I don't know if it got like crazy, you know, massively better, but yes, it definitely got better. I just would have liked to see the pitching staff, you know, price is going to go in there. He's going to be competitive. I don't care what kind of stuff he has. He's going to be competitive. So yeah, I'd like to say it got a little bit better too, but you know, drastically, I don't know that that's, I think still yet to be said. Yeah, I still I think we still have seven starting pitchers with Wood as your four, May as your five, Arias as a six, and who knows who else is in the mix there with Rich Hill and Kenta Maeda and Ryu gone. So you could argue that you got better or worse or it's just time for the next generation. But the reality is in the postseason, you, you need three and a half. And, and can I just uh, – I'll, I'll close with this, and then you can have some parting shots. Of all the things that have happened this offseason that, that Brett and I, of course, were two of the first to bring to you about the – the sign-stealing scandal. Um, here's one thing that hasn't made any sense to me. Alex Wood was the only Dodger starter that won during the series in 17 in Houston because he and the catcher changed their signs every inning. Why was Wood the only one? That's what I can't figure out why Wood was onto that and the others weren't. 
Have you heard anything or read anything about that? I just don't understand. That just baffles me. Yeah, and I don't know exactly what the other guys did. I know I had stuff set up with my catcher that we could change, like, after each pitch, we had something kind of set up that the catcher could give me a signal that would change our signs and roll them over to something different. Um, you know, I think it's just, you know, and, and the weird thing about this whole st- sign stealing thing is, is you know, I, I would like to maybe we'll do another show a little bit more because I think there's a lot to be said about it. But, um, you know, I just don't understand how the players didn't, I, I don't want to say have more knowledge because I think a lot of players knew something may be going on, but didn't take like you said they didn't take you know that they didn't make the effort to change things so it didn't matter if they had a camera in center field or were doing what they're doing that they could fix the signs and and flip them around that it would be harder to figure them out um and and just keep them off it's like pitching and you're trying to keep the hitter off balance so you know if you think somebody may be trying to steal your signs however they're stealing it try to keep them off balance change things around and, and try to fix it but, you know, there's been a lot of things, and I think maybe our next show we talk about it because I've heard a lot of different stuff. I've talked to a lot of players, you know, current guys that, that I asked, you know, like did everybody know it was happening? And a lot of, a lot of players said people knew it was going on. And then, yeah. and then that makes me think, like, why didn't people, you know, say something sooner? And, and yeah. why did it take so long for it to come well, out? Well, so, and Jerry Harrison, guys, if you haven't listened to that show, Jerry Harrison basically – he and look, I, I follow him on social, and I, I get a sense he's a little bitter because some of his good friends kind of misled him with the narrative. The narrative was that Alex Cora and all these guys were the best sign stealers ever, and the truth is they probably were okay, but they took it to another level, not just another level that was illegal and reiterated that, that it was illegal, but they started using live technology. So the narrative was. Oh, they're good science stealers. And Brett and I have talked about this a hundred times. There's always those guys on the team that are good at it and do it. Um, those, this just went to another level and it became blatantly illegal and not just gamesmanship. And I'm with you. I don't know how you don't hear trash cans and, you know, we've talked about whistling and stuff like that. It's just, it's heartbreaking. And quite frankly, I don't even want to think about it much anymore because it breaks my heart. And I can only imagine how it breaks the heart of the Dodgers. And, guys, I'll just say this because uh, others won't. Of course the Dodgers would have won the World Series if they weren't doing that. They were one pitch from winning it anyway. I mean, one pitch, one inning, one run. I mean, it's like, come on. <laughs> you can it, say makes, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, it's like they were one pitch and they stole two, two games that they, they've acknowledged. I am anxious to hear their – you already know what the sound bites are going to be because we've already heard them. There's no specific reference to uh, I'm sorry that happened is what we're hearing. <laughs> you know, so right. – so it's going to be an interesting uh, spring training and season for that matter. But, uh, but we'll come back to it. Hey, we, we are the Dugout Dudes, formerly the Dodger Dudes. Thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends about us. Follow us on social media. Brett, you got any last parting shots? No, we'll just leave it. We'll leave it with the little uh, sign-stealing th- thing. But Beltran had a lot to do with it from what I heard. Um, Cora made a couple phone calls to Martinez saying they needed to watch – watch out for them in the world series. So we can hit a little bit there. I think players should be held accountable, which they're not being. So I think we have a little bit to talk about next time. Sounds good. We're signing off the dugout dudes. Thanks for listening guys. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.